Thanks for watching NTD Business. Coming up, President Biden responds to OPEC Plus's production cuts, doubling down on renewable energy and releasing more oil from the strategic petroleum reserves. And billionaire Elon Musk saying he wants to create an everything app, and Twitter could help speed that up. We explain what he's talking about. And which country has the upper hand in the U.S.-China tech war? On paper, it looks like China is winning. That and much more are coming up on NTD Business. Great to have you with us. Don Ma here. President Biden says he is going to release more oil from the United States Emergency Oil Reserve in a bid to keep gas prices from rising. It comes after the oil cartel OPEC Plus's decision to slash oil production. OPEC Plus is an organization of 23 major oil exporting countries. They collaborate with each other to control oil, global oil supply. That gives them a lot of power over global oil prices. And they just decided yesterday to reduce oil production by 2 million barrels a day. Reducing production means less oil in the market, which means already high prices will receive upward momentum. The White House says Biden is disappointed by OPEC Plus's plan. Over his presidency, Biden has repeatedly asked OPEC to raise production, and OPEC has repeatedly ignored him. Producers and analysts say the answer is to raise domestic oil production. But Biden and the Democrats in general have been trying to wean the country off fossil fuels. So Biden has tried many other options. One of them is repeatedly releasing oil from America's strategic petroleum reserves. This creates more oil supply, which should put upward momentum, downward momentum on prices. He's released so much that the reserves are at historically low levels. And right after OPEC Plus announced their production cuts, Biden responded by saying he released 10 million more barrels next month. The chief analyst at the Oil Price Information Service, Denton Sincagrana, believes the repeated releases didn't lower prices at all. What they did was cap them and prevented them from going to $150 like, we, like uh, was expected earlier in the year in the, in the spring and summer months. Uh, so, but this SPR, we're at very low levels at the beginning of the year or before the releases started. We probably had about, you know, 40 to 45 days of, of supply of crude oil from the SPR. Now, with all the releases, that SPR days of supply is probably down to about 25 days. So if we did have a true emergency, a true supply emergency, we have less of a supply cushion going to, to, to make up for that shortfall. Despite the low levels, Synchrograna believes it's unlikely the reserves will be completely used up. This year, around 170 million barrels have been released, and a little over 400 million barrels are left. The Biden administration is concerned fossil fuels will damage the environment, so it generally opposes oil and gas development. Biden has leased less land for oil and gas drilling than any other administration in its early stages since the end of the Second World War. Denton Sincograna, the chief analyst at the Oil Price Information Service, says producing more oil takes a lot of money and a lot of time. So in a hostile environment where the, the administration wants to phase out fossil fuels, producers feel it may not be worth the tremendous investment. Instead of sort of demonizing the producers, uh, the administration should probably be trying to work with them to say, you know, and recognize that, hey, an energy transition is where we want to be, but that just doesn't happen overnight. And now if I'm running a company that's exploring and producing oil, I'm dealing with higher labor costs, higher commitment costs, supply chain shortages, and also an uncertainty for five, 10 years down the road.
Meanwhile, here's a chart of America's average gas price over the last 10 years. As you can see here, it's come down a bit from the $5 high a few months ago, but prices are still sky high and have recently been moving upward. And moving on, Louisiana says it's finished with BlackRock's investment portfolio because of the firm's policies on fossil fuels. The state's treasurer, John Schroeder, wrote a letter to the firm yesterday saying Louisiana will liquidate all BlackRock's investments within three months. The reason is BlackRock's environmental, social, and governance policies. In other words, promoting renewables over traditional fossil fuels. Energy is Louisiana's largest sector, accounting for about 8% of its GDP. Schroeder said BlackRock's anti-fossil fuel policies would destroy Louisiana's economy. And he refuses to spend a penny of the state's funds on a firm like that. And on to Wall Street. Stocks closed lower today. The Dow Jones fell 347 points, or 1 and 2 tenths of a percent. S&P 500 lost 39 points, or 1 percent. NASDAQ dropped 75 points, or 7 tenths of a percent. You've probably heard by now that Elon Musk has said he wants to move forward with his deal to buy Twitter. So what does he plan to do if and when he takes Twitter private? He tweeted Tuesday it's a step closer to, quote, creating X, the everything app. So what is an everything app and what does that even mean? Olivia Chan explains. Elon Musk says he wants to create an everything app. (laughs) The Tesla CEO made the announcement after he reversed course on his earlier decision not to buy Twitter. He now says he is willing to proceed with his original plan to buy the social media company for $44 billion saying that buying Twitter is an accelerant to create X, the everything app. So what exactly is he talking about? A super app, or what Musk refers to as an everything app, has been described as the Swiss army knife of mobile apps. It offers a suite of services for users such as messaging, social networking, peer-to-peer payments and e-commerce shopping. These mega apps are already widely used in Asia. That's because mobile is the main form of access to the internet for many people in the region, experts say. An example of such a super app is China's WeChat. It has more than 1 billion monthly users, according to one estimate. WeChat is a ubiquitous part of daily life in China. Users can hail a car or taxi, send money to friends and family, or make payments at stores. In 2018, some Chinese cities even began testing WeChat for an electronic identification system that would be tied to users' accounts, according to the South China Morning Post. Another example is Grab, a leading super app across Southeast Asia. It offers food delivery, ride hailing, on-demand package delivery and financial services and investing. So why does Musk want to make one? During a question-and-answer session with Twitter employees in June, Musk noted there was no equivalent to apps like WeChat outside of Asia, presenting him with an opportunity. Adding more tools and services to Twitter could also help Musk reach his lofty growth goals for the company. Musk said he wanted Twitter to grow from its 237 million users to, quote, at least a billion. And Peloton is still dealing with rough terrain, financially speaking, that is. The exercise company announced its fourth round of layoffs this year in an attempt to improve its bottom line. 
CEO Barry McCarthy says if Peloton doesn't make a rebound within the next six months, it won't be able to serve as a standalone operation. Roughly 500 employees are being let go in this round of cuts, which breaks down to about 12% of its workforce. It leaves the company with about 4,000 employees. In August, Peloton said it lost more than $1.2 billion in revenue during the last quarter. That's a 30% fall from the same quarter the year before. And a former Uber security chief has been convicted of covering up a data breach. A jury Wednesday found him guilty of failing to report a 2016 cybersecurity incident. Joseph Sullivan was found guilty of obstruction of justice and deliberate concealment of a felony. The hack affected the data of 57 million Uber passengers and drivers. The company did not disclose the incident for a whole year. In July, Uber agreed to cooperate as part of a settlement to avoid criminal charges. Sullivan was originally indicted in September 2020. At the time, prosecutors said Sullivan had arranged to pay the hackers $100,000 in Bitcoin and had the hackers sign a non-disclosure agreement stating they had not stolen data. And crypto lender Celsius's top three executives reportedly withdrew over $42 million worth of cryptocurrency. That's right before the company suspended withdrawals and filed for bankruptcy. NTD's Char Marshall has more. Celsius ex-CEO Alex Machinsky, ex-CSO Daniel Leon and CTO Nuke Goldstein pulled Bitcoin, Ether, USDC and Cell Holdings from their custody accounts between May and June, according to court records. This happened shortly before the company cited extreme market conditions and suspended all customer withdrawals. Then a month later in July, Celsius filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. So I think in regards to Celsius, we can all agree that it appears to be very unfair to allow business insiders to be cashing out ahead of bankruptcy. Over a dozen other executives did not make significant withdrawals at the time. I reached out to Gabriella Cruz to help make sense of this. A corporate insider catching out prior to suspending withdrawals is susceptible to being deemed an improper transfer. So what does that mean? In legalese, a fraudulent conveyance, which if true, would permit a bankruptcy trustee to claw back those funds. Late last month, Celsius CEO Alex Machinsky stepped down from his position. The Financial Times reported this week that he had withdrawn $10 million before the company froze accounts. NTD has reached out to Celsius for comment, but has not yet heard back. So to be clear, this can happen to any customer of any business, whether it's a crypto business or not, that holds customer assets. You know, the best way to protect is to ensure that your broker or banker holds your assets in a segregated fashion. And you should look for whether a business is regulated, like a state trust company, or if it's audited. Celsius has now set dates for the auction of its assets. We'll have a final bid deadline of October 17th at 4 p.m. Eastern Time with an auction, if necessary, on October 20th at 10 a.m. Bloomberg reports that Sam Bankman-Fried, the crypto billionaire who has been bailing out distressed industry players in recent months, is considering bidding for Celsius assets. Sean Marshall, NTD News. And now turning to the UK, ratings agency Fitch lowered the outlook for its credit rating of British government debt from stable to negative on Wednesday. Britain's finance minister recently announced $50 billion in tax cuts, along with large energy subsidies and other measures aimed at boosting growth. Financial markets, though, balked at this. 
The British pound fell to a record low against the U.S. dollar, and some British government bonds took their worst tumble in decades. The Bank of England was even forced to step in to stabilize markets. Fitch forecasts that Britain's general government debt will rise to 109% of GDP by 2024. And in Europe, starting the day with a cup of coffee has become more expensive. That's according to the EU Statistics Office. Julian Satterthwaite has more on the jump in price of the staple. A morning coffee is now almost a luxury for Europeans. That's according to the Eurostat Statistics Office. It's compiled data on the cost of a pick-me-up in the EU. Coffee prices were up almost 17% in August from last year. If you don't take it black, the cost of a cup gets even worse. Fresh whole milk prices jumped by almost a quarter, and sugar was up even more, by over a third. The data showed prices for the staples rose in every EU country bar Malta. Finns faced the biggest jump for coffee, with prices there up by 43.6%. In Poland, the price of sugar more than doubled. Overall, inflation in the eurozone hit a new record high of 10% in September. Rising food and energy prices were the big driver. Turning to our special report today. It looks like China is falling behind in the U.S.-China tech war, in some areas at least. Though on paper, it does appear to look like China is more innovative in the tech space than the U.S. In 2020, total patent applications by China topped more than 1.4 million, while the U.S. only had around 600,000. Meanwhile, Chinese tech giant Baidu recently launched a self-developed quantum computer. A former president of Google predicted that China will eventually overtake the U.S. in the artificial intelligence space. But if we look at China's practical technological advances, it paints a different picture. A Chinese official in 2019 stated that only 10% of China's patents actually have market value, and that probably 90% of them are, quote, trash. If we look at the percentage of R&D expenses relative to GDP, the U.S. is actually significantly outperforming China, according to the World Bank. Percentage of R&D expenses relative to GDP is a gauge that shows a country's efforts to sustain innovation. And China's lack of technological advances is especially noticeable in semiconductors. In July, China's Semiconductor Manufacturing International Corporation, or SMIC, said it achieved the ability to make 7 nanometer chips. But because of U.S. sanctions, SMIC is barred from buying cutting-edge equipment used to make these chips. So it's likely that it was, it was made using old, older technology. And at the same time, there's no sign that SMIC is able to mass-produce these chips. In comparison, U.S. semiconductor manufacturer Intel is on track for volume production of 7 nanometer chips this year. In fact, U.S. sanctions have noticeably impacted China's chip industry, think the CHIPS Act. China's foreign ministry and commerce ministry have both publicly voiced discontent with the U.S. CHIPS Act. The act bars some U.S. companies from investing in China's cutting-edge chip-making capability. And it seems like so far China has yet to come with any effective countermeasures. Top Chinese chip industry officials have said that, quote, China's semiconductor industry will face a more dire environment ahead. In fact, a record number of semiconductor-related Chinese entities have ceased to exist in the first eight months of this year. As many as 3,500 companies have deregistered. An impact on the semiconductor industry is significant because microchips go into so many things, like communications, 
healthcare, military systems, transportation, clean energy, and artificial intelligence. And on the point of AI, the U.S.'s most recent chip ban on China has really dampened its artificial intelligence ambitions. So much so that the possibility China will overtake the U.S. in AI is looking increasingly remote. Last month, U.S. officials ordered chip designer NVIDIA to stop exporting two of its top computer chips to China. These chips are GPUs, or video graphic cards. These hit China's AI sector hard. A Chinese chip industry veteran says that NVIDIA essentially has a near monopoly on GPUs that are used to train artificial intelligence. He's the chief technology officer of Shanghai-based company Iluvatar Cortex. For China, NVIDIA GPUs are hard to replace. The chief technology officer says that local Chinese rivals are not yet able to challenge NVIDIA in the GPU space. Chinese-owned newspaper South China Morning Post reported that the NVIDIA chip ban is a direct threat to Beijing's artificial intelligence ambitions. It says that many of China's AI achievements would not be possible without NVIDIA. When it comes to the U.S.-China tech race, AI is a very important element. In fact, a recent report by the Special Competitive Studies Project found that artificial intelligence, as well as semiconductors, are the core battlegrounds when it comes to the U.S.-China tech war. And the winner of this race will be the country that is more successful in these areas. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. Still to come, Google unveiling its new smartphones. What are the updates? And we take a look at its very first Pixel smartwatch. An auto giant Ford hiking the price of its electric F-150 pickup truck for the second time in less than two months. That and more coming up on NTD Business. Welcome back. The new Google Pixel 7 smartphone is unveiled. Google says the 6.3-inch Pixel phone has updated features on its camera, screen, and battery. The phones come in three colors, lemongrass, obsidian, and snow. Prices start at $599. During press event today in New York City, Google also displayed its first-ever smartwatch. The watch is Google's first wearable that has health features from Fitbit. Google bought Fitbit last year. And Ford is raising the price of its 2023 F-150 Lightning Pro for the second time in less than two months. This time it's hiking the price by $5,000 or 11%. The reason? Supply chain issues and inflation. The cost of crucial raw materials like cobalt, nickel, and lithium has increased dramatically. The electric pickup will now run for almost $52,000 when Ford first announced the F-150 Lightning in May 2021, it was priced at about $40,000. Other electric vehicle makers like Tesla and Rivian have also increased prices this year. Ford said the price increase wouldn't impact buyers who have already placed an order. And India's Tata Motors has launched an electric model of its popular Tiago hatchback. The vehicle has a starting price of $10,000, making it the most affordable electric vehicle in the country. 
NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the new EV. Tata is the only automaker currently building EVs in India, and the Tiago EV is expected to further its lead in the country's electric car market. This is a very aspirational EV, a very feature-loaded, very technology-loaded car. Um, if I had to just summarize the value proposition of this car, it is uh, exciting in features. It is uh, very uh, easy to drive. It is economical and at the same time eco-friendly. The Tiago EV is significantly cheaper than India's next most affordable EV. The electric version of Tata's Tigor compact sedan starts at around $15,000. But China has some EV models that start as low as $4,500. This is a unique uh, product which has come to the market. I'm not aware of any other product which uh, really head-on competes with this segment. Um, in any case, EV is a very fast-growing uh, segment where there is space for multiple players, multiple products. The operating cost of the Tiago EV is expected to be about a seventh of the gasoline version. The cheapest version of the Tiago EV will have a range of 150 miles on a single charge. A more expensive version will offer a range of almost 200 miles. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. A Moroccan charity is partnering with local companies to help clean up the streets of Casablanca. The team is collecting hundreds of pounds of waste a day and turn it in, turning it into things like chairs and bags. NTD's Andrew Thomas has this one as well. A charity called Kaun made everything in the shop from recycled materials. All items were made from plastic, cardboard, or paper waste. The Kaun team sources, collects, and recycles waste from up to five companies. Every day, they collect between 200 and 400 pounds of waste, 60% of which is plastic. When we walk in the streets, there's waste on the ground everywhere, and people are increasingly becoming sick with respiratory diseases. We see that in our seas, the amount of plastic waste is increasing. We see more and more fish with plastic straws or plastic bags inside them. All this makes us angry. Since its creation in 2017, Kaun has recycled more than 70 tons of waste. The charity has three different workshop facilities to recycle plastic, paper, and cardboard. Things have started to change, and companies have learned to sort their waste. And now they've started to think about how to optimize and reduce their waste. For plastic recycling, waste has to be sorted before it's crushed and turned into a paste. They can then repurpose it to make tables, chairs, and more. These types of plastics cause direct damage to the environment because of their components. They create carbon dioxide and petroleum waste, which increase the proportion of carbon in nature and contribute to the rise in global temperatures. Today, the whole world suffers from the problem of climate change. In the second workshop, Shredded paper goes through a special machine. It's turned into a paste, which is then dried. Bags, carpets, placemats, cushions, belts, and shoes are made from them. From this paper, we can produce several other items, such as business cards, boxes, and notebooks. We take one to two days for business cards and three days for notebooks. Moroccans produce more than one million tons of plastic waste annually. Only 7% is recycled. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Halloween is right around the corner, and ahead of that sugar-filled holiday, CandyStore.com is out with an interactive map of all 50 states' favorite Halloween candies. 
For example, in Texas, the favorites were Starbursts, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, and Sour Patch Kids. Californians' favorites are Reese's Cups, M&Ms, and Skittles. Nationwide, the most popular Halloween candy was Reese's Cups, followed by Skittles in second place and M&Ms taking third. Starbursts and Hot Tamales rounded out the top five. The National Retail Federation estimates the U.S. consumers will spend about $3.1 billion on Halloween candy this year. And that's all the stories we have from the NTD business team and myself, Don Ma. You can follow me on Twitter, too. And if you have any news tips or feedback for the show, you can email us at business at ntd.com. That's all for today. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.